Welcome to the Wild and Curious podcast, a show that's part travel, part feminism, and completely inspired by extraordinary women worldwide. I'm Teresa Christine. And I'm Suzanne Schmetting. When I was doing an at-home bar class, yeah. I actually used two bottles of wine as weights. <laughs> Because I didn't, I don't have any weights. I've got the bands and I've got <laughs> the ball and a mat and everything. But you have two bottles of wine. I got two bottles of wine. As I've gotten older, I have noticed my respect for wine has increased exponentially. I've become that person. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, I used to think that the $3 bottles that I would buy in <laughs> Bakersfield, CA, were pretty nice. And I, I couldn't understand why I had headaches <laughs> all through my 20s. <laughs> Do you remember when Two Buck Chuck, it increased, I think, to $2.50? Oh, the horror. The and horror. everyone was, they couldn't wrap their heads around it. <laughs> and I was like, guys, it's terrible wine. Just get something else. Sorry, Charles. And it's official now. Trader Joe's is never going to sponsor this show. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. But yes, I love wine. Yes. You love wine. I do love wine. It only makes sense that we want to talk to people who make wine. Today, we are talking with Pauline Lapierre, who is the owner, operator, and winemaker at our family's winery, Chateau Autrion. Two years ago, she produced her own plot of land, Les Vignes de Coulouse, and last year produced her first organic wine. So actually, I grew up uh, in a winery uh, in Rions. So it's a 30 minutes drive from Bordeaux, southwest uh, of France. It's at uh, when I was 15 that I left home. Uh, actually, I was a very good student, so I was strongly encouraged to study. And uh, so I went to Paris, uh, entered a preparatory school, which is a very French program. Uh, and very um, intensive and uh, it's a lot of uh, work and a lot of competition between students. Uh, I man I did that for two years and managed to enter uh, what is uh, known in France as the best uh, business school. And I studied their finance. But uh, after a while, I um, actually when I started to wonder what I really wanted to do and uh, what uh, what job I uh, I wanted to start, I realized that uh, it was not uh, exactly. I mean, I was very happy and I had a lot of friends and uh, I I mean I was happy in my life, but uh, I was not really uh, interested or deeply interested uh, in what I was uh, doing. So I worked, uh, I still, I worked for two years in, uh, for Danone, which is a dairy and water brand. And I was based in Singapore. I had, uh, like great managers and, uh, a great team, but still I was, uh, I was missing, uh, a lot of winery and uh, wine making. And, uh, so after a while, um, I decided to go back to school. And uh, I took a degree in uh, enology. 
that is so brave and exciting to leave this kind of life you've had and and go back and and start over and and become this winemaker. You're you're not actually in in what we think of as Bordeaux. You're in Cadillac Côte de Bordeaux. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about how this spot is unique or or different from what most people think of when they think of traditional Bordeaux and Bordeaux wine? I think um in Cadillac Côte de Bordeaux, we are very lucky to have uh, first beautiful uh, terroirs. Uh, so it's actually mainly uh, hills uh, facing the river. So it's just uh, like beautiful uh, landscapes on which you have these uh, vineyards uh, planted with these nice uh, slopes with south, southeast exposure. So first it's beautiful and then each hill is a bit different in terms of soil. So in Cadillac Côte de Bordeaux as a whole, we have really a um, diversity of terroir and of soils, which explains that um, we grow white grapes, red grapes, we make uh, sweet wines, sweet white wines, dry white wines, red wines, <laughs> oaked wines or not. So it's... Um, and the, the second... Uh, a very important thing I, to me is that it's uh, mostly uh, family-owned uh, vineyards, and it's a vineyard that it, uh, which is a bit, uh, at least nowadays, less known than uh, like a very famous Grand Cru from the Médoc or Saint-Emilion. So it's more like a family-owned uh, type of um, businesses, and uh, where we are a lot of... Um, actually young uh, winemakers to take over from uh, their parents. Uh, so in a way, I like this region as well because it's uh, kind of uh, innovative. I mean, we make wine, we love wine, but it's uh, we have a link to wine which is a bit less traditional, I would say, than in some uh, like bigger, very well-known regions of uh, Bordeaux. For this like younger generation, I mean, what do you feel that they're tackling and taking on that is so exciting for you? To me, I mean, I feel very responsible for the vineyard uh, part of the job. When I think of my job, I uh, take care of the vineyard. It's only uh, estate-grown uh, fruits. Uh, then I make the wine and then I sell it. And um, in when my uh, parents created the vineyard 30 years ago, they, um, at that time in the region, wines were, I would say, quite bad, <laughs> which is, <laughs> but, um, and uh, so it's all this, uh, these times in the 70s, 80s, people were very, um, uh, were thinking that uh, science uh, was uh, going to improve everything. There was a big trust into like, uh, uh, yes, science, progress. Um, and um, so at that time, my parents had a lot of work to make in the cellar. Uh, so they focused on how to make a good wine out of grapes. Um, at that time, uh, the knowledge and uh, around the wine was not so deep. Uh, so it was more about um, uh, knowing uh, your chemistry, understanding what a fermentation is, managing well your fermentation. And I would say today, this is really well managed. 
uh, I mean, everyone knows, uh, uh, I mean, any winemaker knows how to make a fermentation happen. And usually it's uh, happening very well and safely. Our generation, the young generation, is going back to the vineyard. And this is really, uh, I think, uh, meaningful for us. During our studies, uh, um, we had some uh, lessons on uh, ecology, environment, and uh, we all care about uh, our environment. And um, so we are uh, a bit spending a bit less time in the cellar, uh, maybe trying less to control everything uh, in the cellar. But uh, going back to really the beginning of the work, of the job, which is having uh, healthy grapes uh, in a healthy environment without using uh, crazy chemicals. And this is really, uh, I think, uh, uh, our task today uh, for my generation. And when we met, I was under the impression that you were probably in like uh, a boys club sort of thing. Like I thought winemaking was male dominated and it sounds like that's not actually the case. Why, why is that? No, I would say that, um, I'm 31. Uh, and for my generation, like it's mostly, uh, women taking over their parents' vineyard, uh, around me. Um, I think uh, having family-owned business is uh, is key uh, in the region because um, then uh, when uh, you are a, a, like a mother or a father and you want uh, uh, you are thinking to retire and you are looking for someone to take over, um, if any of your child uh, is eager to do it as a mom or as a dad, you're happy. I think. At least for me, this is how uh, I have one brother who was not interested at all in the vineyard. And uh, when I said that I wanted to go back, my, to come back, my parents were very happy. Uh, and now that I'm managing the vineyard, uh, when I'm recruiting, uh, I'm recruiting uh, women <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. as well as men, of course, but um, at least half-half. And um, so the fact that we, we have so many uh, family-owned uh, businesses around here, for me, was a big, uh, big door open to daughters and uh, women who wanted to work in that uh, um, in that field. And the second thing is that we we miss people uh, nowadays. Uh, being a winemaker is as well being a farmer. And um, less and less people are, young people are uh, interested in uh, being a farmer. So when uh, anyone, woman or man, uh, uh, wants to, to do it and is uh, fond of it, uh, he is welcomed or she is welcomed. Oh, that's really wonderful. I mean, it's, you know, equality born out of necessity and, and family rights, but I think that's so incredible what you're doing. And speaking of, of family produced land and owned land, you are managing your parents' uh, winery and you're the owner operator there, but you also just bought some land and produced your first organic wine. Yes. So as, uh, as I said before, for me, the, 
like organic farming and uh, I mean farming uh, is uh, very important to me and uh, so my uh, parents structure is uh, uh, 80 hectares uh, vineyard so it's quite a like medium size to big uh, structure and I um, like we have uh, Uh, existing customers, uh, existing wines. Uh, so I'm changing quite a lot of things, uh, but I have to go as well uh, uh, cautiously and uh, smoothly. Uh, so I wanted, um, I had the opportunity, I had a neighbor, actually a, a woman who was in her 50s who wanted to retire and she... Um, She has, uh, she had a plot, uh, uh, in my village and she was, uh, farming it, uh, organically. Uh, she had been, uh, farming it organically for the past 10 years. And she asked me if I wanted to, to take over. Um, and for me, it was a very nice opportunity because it was a small kind of, uh, uh, plot. Um, and I, I saw it as uh, the opportunity to do my own thing and uh, to train on uh, organic farming, which is quite uh, technical. Uh, so I, uh, I bought the, um, the land uh, uh, two years ago now and uh, did my first vintage in 2018. And it was, uh, it was incredible as well because uh, it's great to take over from your family, but you still have the like the pressure to do uh, <laughs> at least as well as uh, they did. And uh, yeah, you can't, uh, yeah, you have a line uh, to follow and uh, still a tradition to respect. Whereas when you start your own little thing uh, and uh, nobody cares about it, uh, it's great because you can, uh, <laughs> you can do uh, whatever you want. No, I love that. I mean, I, I love that you're kind of stepping away and, and producing this organic wine. Yeah, that you get to you get to work with your family still and have that, but then you're also going your own route and kind of forging into the future, which is really great. Yes, yes, uh, I find it nice as well. It's a good uh, escape. <laughs> <laughs> When you think about winemaking in your region, what do you kind of hope or see for the future? I would say that um, I really believe in um, in uh, family-owned business in and in uh, estate-grown fruits. Uh, so we are in a region where the wines produced are um, so Cadillac Côte de Bordeaux. They are, let's say, affordable uh, and good quality wines. I would say that. Um, What I really believe in is uh, knowing the people behind the bottle. And uh, in our region, we are all um, like medium-sized uh, estates uh, where uh, when you knock on the door, the guy uh, who makes the wine would open the door <laughs> and um, <laughs> would be able to explain uh, what he's doing and would be uh, living on the farm. So... He would as well uh, know very well his neighbors. And um, I really value that because uh, at a time where uh, we are very concerned about environment, um, if you, for example, I live on the vineyard and I'm, 
I have plots uh, all around my house. Uh, so I'm the first one concerned about the chemicals I put in my, my vineyard. And I'm uh, the first one to have to face uh, that. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I, I explain it clearly, but I like uh, the fact that uh, we grow our vines, uh, we live on the spot, we work with local people. Uh, everything, um, this family-owned structure to me makes sense in general because when you work with local people that you meet at school, uh, when uh, you live on the estate and not uh, 100 kilometers away, uh, you are much more concerned about the way you work and what is at the end uh, in the bottle. Mm. Uh, so I think it's... Um, a model that uh, uh, is as well uh, well perceived by uh, people uh, drinking wine nowadays because they want to know uh, uh, how the wine was made, who made it, uh, what we used and what we put uh, in the wine. For me, it's um, I see it as uh, the, the guarantee that... Uh, things are done uh, properly and uh, responsibly. I wish that we're, so right now we're recording this at 8.50 in the morning. Yeah. I wish it were an appropriate time to drink wine here in the United States. However, it is an appropriate time to drink wine in France. Yes. And so also- we could. You could, but I think I think you are only limited by your imagination. If you want to <laughs> drink wine at 8.50 a.m., I will not judge you that much. <laughs> I loved talking with Pauline because there is so much tradition that goes into winemaking and even just this idea of wine almost mm -hmm. that doesn't feel accessible. Yeah, no, it's – I think we have this sort of idea that it's this very – sophisticated, you know, removed yeah. sort of thing because it's very old. But I loved the thing she said where she's like, you know, wine, wine wasn't always good. <laughs> yeah. Winemaking. I mean, it, it started thousands of thousands of years ago, like 8,000 BC. And then particularly in Bordeaux, I believe it was like 2000 years ago. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> <laughs> 2,000 years ago, the wine did not taste awesome. Wine 8,000 years ago was probably made in a toilet. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was like <laughs> prison wine for sure. <laughs> so gross. But, you know, Pauline is a, a really great example of someone. She's got the family winery that she works with, that she respects, that she loves. Yeah. But then she's also doing her own thing. Oh, I know. I, I love that. Like this idea of, you know, she wants to be involved with her family and her community, but she's also super interested in, in creating something of her own that has, uh, or that offers a lot of freedom and, and innovation. You know, I think that's so great. If you would like to follow Pauline on Instagram, you can find her at, at Holtrian. That's H-A-U-T-R-I-A-N. And you can purchase her wine from Chateau Autrion and Les Vignes de Coulouse online or, you know, in France.
You've been listening to the Wild and Curious podcast, hosted by me, Teresa Christine. And me, Suzanne Schmetting. If you've enjoyed this episode, there's more where this came from. Subscribe to the Wild and Curious podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also follow along with our adventures on Instagram. Our handle is at underscore the Wild and Curious underscore. And we will also put that in the show notes for you. We are always looking for extraordinary women to talk to you on our show. If you have someone in mind or you are that someone, go to thewildandcurious.com to let us know. 